1: Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
2: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures.
3: In your open space.
4: Hey everybody, it's Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're making our own shrimp cocktails. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant. Joined by Michael F. Florio, and we're back in studio today. I, we have I, specialists I, over on the other side. You guys can like clap, yay! We got Ryan, we got Cynthia hanging out with us. Like it's it's like old times
5: again. I know they have been trying to keep us out of our lounge, right? but we would not be denied.
4: You know, we had a nice little lounge set up here. I'm sure for those of you who watched the streaming show, you've seen our little setup. Uh, and then the folks at El Huddle, who look all <laughs> all respect, M J Acosta Ruiz, Will Selva, we love them. But they sort of uh, they were homesteading in our spot. They were squatting. <laughs> In our spot for a few weeks, so we have kindly asked to get it back. So we're back here, back in our own spot. So I feel like the energy is different. I'm glad to be back in one spot again. Um, we got a lot to talk about because there's a lot happening. Um, the combine is happening in Indianapolis, we are not there, that's fine. Uh, we'll probably talk more about the combine next week after it's done. I feel like there's not a lot to preview, yeah. I've seen people like trying to preview it, and it's like, okay. People are going to go out there in shorts and they're going to do these <laughs> right. exercises. That's your preview. It, it is. It's, 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 the preview is how tall is this guy? How much does he weigh? How long are his arms? How fast does he run? Uh, it's, it's, it's all useful, very useful information. Right. But until we have it, Exactly. You can't really do anything. That's exactly right. So I figure once we get to next week, we have this information, uh, then we can sort of talk about what this means in the big picture. But we will talk some running backs. We'll talk some free agent running backs because we are officially two weeks away from the start of free agency. So we'll talk running backs today. We'll talk pass catchers, wide receivers, tight ends next week to get us ready for free agency. And Florio's Film Festival continues with Speed from 1994. So we'll dive into that at the end of the show. But um let's start with, with the running backs here because this is a really deep group. I feel like it's sort of top-heavy, but there's a lot of names that very well could change places and really sort of change the way we kind of come at the running back position in fantasy. So I broke it down into kind of three groups. You got Tier 1, Tier 2, and then just kind of everybody else. Tier 1... I put three guys there. I put Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and I put Tony Pollard in the list because I feel like these are the three guys that are probably going to command the biggest contracts out on the free agent market. So when you look at them, Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard, what order do you put them in? Um, Like like just for next season,
5: I I put it as in that order that you said, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, but... If you're thinking long-term, I have the most concern about Saquon Barkley. He's obviously dealt with the most injuries. He's got the most wear and tear on his tires there. But uh, that's why I think he's a prime franchise tag candidate. Mm. And I, I know uh, Dennis just said we could get Joe Mixon, and I still think we could even get Dalvin Cook potentially as cap
4: casualties. So this already very deep running back class could just get even more. It's, it's going to be, I and think, the, even more. Than, uh, I, think, I think some of these guys are going to kind of get moved. Um, Right now, the Giants say they're trying to avoid using the franchise tag on either Saquon or Daniel Jones, but we'll see what happens when everybody sits down to actually talk numbers. I would say in the long term, I love Tony Pollard, I think, the most, because he is the youngest. He has the least wear and tear on him, and I think he is shown to be a little bit more explosive than the other two guys. I think in the short term, I might put Jacobs ahead of Barkley, Um I think what we saw from him last year was the Josh Jacobs I think we anticipated when the Raiders originally drafted him. Uh, they started to use him in so many other ways. He was so much more productive on a consistent week-to-week basis. I think it's going to be really interesting about what his situation is going to be. Let's start with Tony Pollard, though, because that's the guy that that made the big splash last year. Uh, everybody loved him. Everybody was ready to you know put Zeke out to pasture because of Tony Pollard. And when Zeke was hurt, Pollard played really, really well. Does this mean he's ready to be a true workhorse somewhere, or is he just a guy that sort of took advantage of a situation?
5: I I do think he is ready to be a workhorse, but not your traditional, like, he's not going to get, like, Josh Jacobs carrying the ball over 300 times last year. At least I don't want him to be that. Like, he's never even had 200 carries in a season in his career. What I want Tony Pollard is I want him to be getting somewhere, like, 200, 225 carries, and then even more targets. Like last year was a career high uh, 55 targets. Let's get that number up to like 70. Like push that number. I I want Tony Pollard to be used more, but to continue to be used how he is in the passing game on a lot of outside runs. I don't want him to become a running back that we're giving the ball 15 times, run up the middle and get those short yardage carries. Like, it, Zeke did help Pollard in that regard. Where he hurt was he took targets away. He took goal line carries away. I want Pollard to get all of that work. But I do think he needs a second running back there to help him shoulder the load because his specialty is explosiveness. And the more wear and tear and the more hits he takes, explosiveness starts to dwindle. So uh, I, I do think he's ready to be a workhorse. And to me, I think one of the more interesting questions of this free agency with running backs is, are the Cowboys going to decide to to keep Zeke and let Pollard walk, or are they going to decide, hey, Zeke, you had your run, we're going to let you go now, and we're going to keep Tony Pollard?
4: Or, option three, do they move on from both of them? That could also be. Uh, you know, There's a lot of chatter that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones love B. John Robinson. I mean, the Cowboys taking a stud running back from the University of Texas, it all <laughs> fits so perfectly. Maybe they decide to kind of move on from both these guys, start over with Bijan and see what happens there. I I, I like what you were saying about the potential usage for Pollard. Just because... He sort of slots in and I don't, I don't want to necessarily call him a Christian McCaffrey or an Austin Eckler, but he has that sort of skill set. Right. He he was used in that manner where he can run the football, but he also really is a threat in the passing game, not just a guy that you're going to dump the ball off to when pressure comes. And so that sort of puts him in a rare category. We don't have a ton of those guys. I'm not even sure that Saquon qualifies as that because, you know, yeah, he caught the ball a lot. But he wasn't necessarily lining up. You didn't look at him as a guy who's going to line up in the slot and run an actual route, whereas that's a thing that we've seen from Eckler, we've seen from McCaffrey, we have seen it from Tony Pollard. I think that's kind of what gives him the leg up. The question is, as you mentioned, does that happen in Dallas? Does that happen somewhere else? Which I guess sort of begs the bigger question when you look at these three, Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard, does it make sense for any of them to leave where they are or should they all stay put or some combination of that? Um, I, I think it makes sense for
5: Tony Pollard to leave if that if uh, Jerry Jones is still committed to Zeke, I, I think it's his time to you know go out and, and and the Cowboys are in over the cap already right now, so they might not be able to give him as much money as other teams. I think the best case scenario for Saquon is staying with the Giants, um, but. They right now have the the fourth most cap, but they have to decide what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. Like He might just be either franchised or they might be like, hey, listen, we don't have enough money to keep you and Daniel Jones. And I think they would go with the quarterback there. The Raiders have the third most cap, so I think it makes the most sense of all three of these to bring back Josh Jacobs. He he was so good uh, for them a year ago. They're probably kicking themselves for not picking up his fifth-year option now, but (laughs) when you have that money— and I know people keep saying that it's a rebuilding year for the Raiders, but they're going after Aaron Rodgers. Like, if you're going <laughs> right. after Aaron Rodgers, you're not planning on rebuilding. So I think you want to keep those pieces around and keep that offense intact. At least one more year, give it a go at Josh McDaniels and a new quarterback and see what you have. And if that fails, then I think they're just going to completely blow it up.
4: I, I think so. Yeah, that's that's a weird spot to be in for the Raiders because they are chasing Aaron Rodgers. It's a team that... Yes, they could use a quarterback, obviously, with no Derek Carr, but they have a lot more holes than that. So to go out and spend the assets to bring in Aaron Rodgers, when you still have so many other places, you've got to build this roster. And not to mention, you play in the same division with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and Justin Herbert. Uh, it just, I don't know, that seems like it would be a poor use of assets. Um, the Raiders and Saints, though, have never really intersected a whole lot. So we'll see uh, how that works. Um I do, think, I do think Saquon's going to end up staying with the Giants. Um, it sounds like Josh Jacobs wants to come back to Vegas, which is really interesting because that's not what it sounded like after week, what, 16 or 17, yeah. when he sounded really frustrated and fed up uh, about the, the situation he had been in. But then it seems like at the end of the year, maybe he just you know had a, t- a chance to decompress, did it without a darkness retreat, and decided <laughs> that he was going to come back and decide to be with the Raiders again. I do think Pollard probably needs to move on, just because, as you mentioned, it seems like the Cowboys still don't want to completely cut ties to Zeke. There's still the B. John Robinson rumors that are floating around right there. And I think, you know, if anything, Dallas might be hesitant to sign another running back to a long-term contract based on kind of what's happened with Ezekiel Elliott the last few years. He was a very good player when they signed him to the extension. He has declined significantly since then. And I wonder whether or not if you're Jerry Jones, you want to tie yourself to another big, long running back contract over the next few years. So it it might make the most sense for Pollard to find a new home at this point. The Tier 2 guys, and it was hard kind of narrowing this down, but the guys I put in Tier 2, Miles Sanders... Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, Damian Harris. And I threw in Leonard Fournette because he is expected to be released by the Buccaneers. Not a surprise. A guy who is uh, you know, a little bit of wear and tear on him at this point. He's only 28, which is amazing yeah. to me. <laughs> I mean, I really thought, uh, you know, in my head, I thought he was like 33, 34 years <laughs> He's old. He's been around for a He's while He's been around now. for a while. He's only 28 years old, but is definitely starting to slow down a little bit. And on top of it, the Buccaneers are incredibly well over uh the the cap number so they've got to figure out how to get that number down a little bit when you look at those guys though those five guys i have on this list sanders singletary montgomery harris fournette is there one that jumps out from the rest of this group to you
5: not particularly like if i'm an nfl team in need of a running back and i i obviously don't want to go after one of the top uh the guys that we just talked about like i don't want to spend all that money I'll hit up all of these guys, and whichever one is the cheapest, I'll give them like a one-year, two-year deal, something Mm -hmm. like that. Like, that's how I think I would approach it. Um, I I know, like, Miles Sanders is the one that I think is the best of this bunch, but he's coming from an ideal situation Devin Singletary has shown that he can be a really useful back but he lacks explosiveness you speak about a lack of explosiveness no running back lacked more last year than David Montgomery (laughs) he had the fewest (laughs) amount of explosive runs of any running back he got outplayed by Khalil Herbert I think the Bears would be smart actually to let him go Damian Harris is someone that has burst but he's so one-dimensional and then Leonard Fournette, I, I actually compared the numbers today, Marcus, between Fournette and Rashad White, mm. and it's almost like they're the pointing Spider-Man gifts. but <laughs> if, if you just were to follow the narrative in like Twitter, you would think that Leonard Fournette is washed and not going to be able to sign with a team next year, and Rashad White's about to be a star, and I'm like, I, it can't be both. Either the offense hurt both, or they're both bad. Like You, you can't look at them two and be like, this guy's good, even though he struggled in a bad offense, and this guy's done for doing the exact same thing.
4: I'm glad we got here to Rashad White, right? Because <laughs> it is interesting, one, the, the, the Bucks, and this might also just be part of trying to give a guy a good recommendation after letting him go, but, you know, the Bucks front office said they still believe Leonard Fournette can be a three-down back. He is mostly a cap casualty for this team. They've got to get under that number. So that's an easy spot to make a move right there. Um, yes, he was not as efficient this past year as he had been in the past. Some of that had to do with a Buccaneers offense that really struggled for a good portion of the year an offensive line. That was not particularly good. So I look at Rashad white and I've already seen, you know, people saying, Hey, look, if you want to make the move in dynasty, maybe this is an opportunity to sell. Uh, But you know, but the idea being that you could still get a whole lot for Rashad white. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm of the opinion that maybe he's okay. Uh, He's not a guy that comes in with a ton of draft capital. The offense is going to be bad. Uh, The offensive line still has holes. At the moment, Kyle Trask is your starting quarterback. (laughs) Um, There's talk that on top of losing Leonard Fournette, they may have to move on from Chris Godwin to try to get under the cap number. So you're taking one of the big weapons out of the passing game. Rashad White, maybe he is all of that. I'm not totally sold on that, but he's going to be in a bad offense That, to me, is reason to just sort of proceed with caution when you're talking about him.
5: Yeah, I completely agree. And then you add in the fact that no matter who their quarterback is, and they're speaking about Kyle Trask way too highly, in my opinion, but (laughs) whoever it is is not going to dump the ball off nearly as much or as effectively as Tom Brady has for years. So I think you're going to lose some of the passing game numbers there for White. To me, Marcus, what it seems like is... Dynasty players and, and and talent evaluators and stuff liked him before last season and like they don't want to let go of it. I, right, <laughs> I'm not saying he's done and he's washed, but I think the hype is is way too high for a player who coming off of the season that Rashad White is
4: coming off of. Is Rashad White the new Keyshawn Vaughn? Because remember a couple, <laughs> couple years ago, right, Keyshawn Vaughn was going to be the guy that that put Leonard Fournette out to pasture. Uh, everybody, you know, let's get away from Keyshawn Vaughn or get away from Fournette because Vaughn is coming um mean, he's another guy who a third round pick uh you know has never really seen the same level of opportunity that rashad white saw last year but also never really blossomed into anything uh all right so maybe as, I, as i'm sitting here talking myself through it rashad white is better than Keyshawn
5: <laughs> but but rashad white we talked about it a lot during the regular season like For years, whoever Leonard Fournette's backup is gets hyped, and the only one that's ever actually lived up to it was James Robinson that one year.
4: Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's right. In in Jacksonville, Robinson sort of made uh, Leonard Fournette expendable and sent him to Tampa Bay in the end. Uh, You mentioned Miles Sanders a little bit, and last year... For the season, Miles Sanders reprimanded all of us fantasy folks and said, don't (laughs) draft me. And we were like, all right, cool. And then, you know, midway through the year, we were like, oh, you didn't really mean that. You were just giving us a hard time. Uh, Career highs, by far. uh, 1,347 yards, 11 total touchdowns. But at the end of the year, we saw the Eagles start incorporating more guys. We saw Kenneth Gainwell more. We saw Boston Scott occasionally. Is there concern about Miles Sanders? Which one is the real guy? Is it the guy that we saw last year? Is it the, the guy who was just sort of meh the first few years of his career? I don't I don't want to take away what he
5: did last season because it was a very impressive uh, campaign. But before last season, he had never rushed for over for eight hundred and seventy yards in a season. He had more rushing touchdowns last year than in his first three seasons combined. And what worries me a bit is that his pass game usage has really dwindled uh, as of late. Uh, he's never matched his rookie season. Uh, only has 200, over 200 receiving yards in his rookie season. So to me, we're looking at a guy who's used primarily between the tackles, can't give you a whole lot in the passing game. And he's coming off of a career year, but he did so in arguably what I would call at least the best rushing attack in football, where he had a great O-line play and even more so importantly, Everyone was petrified of Jalen Hurts running against them. So it just creates running lanes for Miles Sanders. I think he's a useful talent, but I can't look at what he did this past season and be like, yeah, that trumps what he did the first three seasons. So I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, um, but I wouldn't be willing to pay him our, what what his last season would demand that he gets paid, if that makes sense.
4: No, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't think he was as good necessarily as what we saw last year, but I, I think he is better than what we saw the first few years. And I think he's going to sort of get paid accordingly, and I think he's going to be used accordingly, where I wouldn't be surprised to see Miles Sanders go somewhere and be a lead back in somebody's offense, but he's never going to be anything close to a workhorse. I don't think he's ever going to be a three-down back. Um Hopefully, wherever he goes, they use him more in the passing game than the Eagles have been the last couple of years because uh, especially if he doesn't go to an offense, that's going to score. What, what definitely kept him afloat was that the Eagles were one of the more high scoring teams in the NFL. You go to a team that's not going to score as many points, um, that, that takes away from what your, your ceiling can be. I mean, it's sort of like we just talked about with Rashad White if he ends up as the lead back in Tampa, that offense is not going to be very good next year. And so that sort of puts a cap on what Rashad White can be. Hopefully Sanders, if he does not stay in Philadelphia, finds himself a place uh, where they're going to score some points and they kind of give him the opportunity to be productive there. Also real quick, I want to ask about Damian Harris, because I, when I put him in this group, I agonized over that. When I stared at that for a while, like, do I put him here? Do I move him down to sort of the, the field quote unquote, if you're using a golf term here, uh, is Damien Harris has he become Sony Michelle? Oh, that is a great comparison. <laughs> is
5: he Sony I, Michelle now? I think so. Like he's one of those running backs who he's a really good runner. We know that he's mm-hmm. explosive. He's physical. He can be great between the tackles, but he gives you nothing in the passing game. And in my opinion. Those are the kind of running backs that you don't pay. Like, I could pay Damian Harris a bunch of money, or I can pay Deontay Foreman a whole lot less. You yeah. know, like, that. that's my thinking. I, I think if I—we hear all the time about devaluing running backs. If I was to invest in the position, it would have to be someone that is dual—like, a dual threat. Like, they can help me on the ground and in the passing game. If you can only do one or the other— I can probably get someone that's maybe not as good as you but can give me similar production.
4: I think you know, I think that's going to sort of work against him, right? Because he's a good running back but he's not so great that he's going to just trump or, right? Derrick Henry it's nice that they throw him the ball now, but Derrick Henry could get away with not catching the yes. football because he was Derrick Henry, right? When you're running for fourteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 yards in a season and you're running for double-digit touchdowns, uh, people are, aren't really going to freak out a whole lot that you don't catch the football. If you're Damian Harris, though, you're not catching the football and you're you know, giving us seven, 800 yards <laughs> a year, uh, it gets a little bit harder to sort of justify that. And And the more I look at it, the more that – that 2021 season, the 15 rushing touchdowns, the the you know the just over thousand scrimmage yards, that feels very much like the outlier in yeah. his career I, at this point.
5: I'm hoping he goes somewhere else though, just because I don't want him there to take touches away from Stevenson. Like I hope the Patriots bring <laughs> no one in because I I really really like Ramondre Stevenson and I want him to keep the the same type of role that he was in last season.
4: If Damian Harris leaves New England, which seems sort of likely, the Ramondre Stevenson rocket ship is going to (laughs) Jupiter. It is just like it is bypassing the moon and Mars. It is going to Jupiter. Uh, if 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 Damian Harris isn't there next year to to take in two
5: weeks, your timeline is going to be it doesn't matter what
4: moves that happen. I can, it's going to be filled (laughs) with rocket ship emojis, regardless. Just nothing but rocket ship emojis for (laughs) random players, uh, in random places. By the way, uh, didn't mention this. We talked about Devin Singletary. The Bills have said they want to expand James Cook's role this this upcoming year. You are you're a you're resident Bills fan here. I just can you get a word to them. I just want a clear delineation of roles yep. in that offense, right? James Cook, we know he can catch the football, but they didn't use him for that. Naheem Hines, they brought him in. He can catch the football. They didn't use him for that. I just want some clarity. Can you get a get word to Sean McDermott? And just be like, hey, man, let us know what you're doing back here.
5: I mean, yesterday, Brandon Bean was like, yeah, we're very confident in Gabe Davis as our number two wide receiver. I'm like, I don't believe a word you guys are saying <laughs> right now. Um, I do think that we will get more James Cook because the one thing as maddening as it could be at times is like Sean McDermott, I think more than any coach, maybe besides like Andy Reid with how he uses some of his players, uh, is like petrified of a rookie wall. So it really seemed to me like early in the year they did not want to use James Cook at all. I, I can't tell you why they, <laughs> they didn't use Naheem Hines, although probably worth the trade just on the punt return uh, week 18 alone. But, uh, but besides that, he could have used the guy. I mean, he's a really useful running back. I am up to thinking that the Bills might actually invest in a running back for the first time in a while, like outside of like a third or fourth round draft pick.
4: Hmm. Now that would be interesting. I don't know that I like it. But it would be yeah. interesting if, if we're bringing somebody else in. It, I don't know. Just my immediate thought is it puts us back in the situation where we had Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Then Moss moves on. It's James Cook. It's Naheem Hines. Uh, great for the Bills. <laughs> bad for
5: us. There hasn't been an explosive running back since they've drafted Josh Allen. So,
4: like, James Cook <laughs> is probably the most explosive running back they've had in like, that span. Josh Allen's, like, the most explosive running back they've had <laughs> really right now. Really, really is. There are plenty more running backs to talk about. We won't dive into them individually because there's just too dang many of them, but wanted to kind of take a big picture look at what this means for us fantasy-wise going forward. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that and Florio's Film Festival. That's after the break here on the NFL Fantasy
3: Football Podcast. Now is the time to accelerate innovation.
0: T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
1: Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years,
2: Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.
6: Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more.
3: in your open space.
4: Talking running backs here, and I've gone through the first couple tiers. I, I put this category, I just called them the rest, and it's not even the rest. It's the rest of the guys that I think could actually move the needle a little bit in fantasy. So that list includes... Jamal Williams, Deontay Foreman, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Kenyon Drake, Rashad Penny, who, by the way, I debated whether or not to put Rashad Penny in sort of tier two as well, but injuries sort of made me knock him down to this group. Uh, Samajay Pirine, who definitely was making an impact for the Bengals near the end of the season. This is just a handful. There are probably other guys that if I really combed the list could probably make it into this group here as well, but that's just an idea of, of sort of what we're working with here. Obviously, the idea of a true workhorse running back is sort of dead, right? I mean, you got, sure, Saquon fills that bill, Derrick Henry. I don't even know if Christian McCaffrey does because the Niners like using multiple guys. When you look at fantasy running backs and you're evaluating them now, you can't just say, hey, I want a guy who's going to touch the ball 300 times because that doesn't happen. How do you evaluate fantasy running backs at this point?
5: I think this upcoming season – Obviously we still have the free we have free agency in the draft, but I think it's going to be harder to evaluate backfields than ever before. Like remember last season when quarterbacks and receivers were like completely flipped on its head mm-hmm. and we it was a guessing game with a lot of teams. I think that's gonna be running backs in 2023 drafts because all of these names that like you just mentioned, uh Alexander Madison, Kareem Hunt, like there's other good players that were like, if these guys ever, you know, went to the right spot, we could see them being useful. I think a lot of teams instead of paying up for those the high-end running backs, are going to sign two of these guys or sign one of them because it's a very deep draft class as well. So we could see teams sign one of these and pair with a running back that they already have or pair with a running back in the draft. I, I think pretty much there's going to be a handful of running backs that we feel confident like. If, say, Josh Jacobs was to return to the Raiders or Saquon or, or CMC, like you said, Austin Eckler, like, we know that those guys are going to get all the work in their backfield. Derek Henry. So you could take those guys early, but for me, I'm thinking, like, next year is going to be the ultimate year for mid-round value and finding value off of the waiver wire.
4: I went and looked. I was just trying to figure out if there's a threshold for, like, number of touches in a season that sort of, you know, makes us feel comfortable. I, I, I set the number at 200. Sort of arbitrary, but not really. 30 guys, 30 running backs had at least 200 touches. Um, of those 30 guys, pretty much all of them were top 25, no surprise. The two guys that had less than 200 touches that finished top 25 running backs, Jarek McKinnon, who had that incredible touchdown streak yeah. down the stretch, which helped a whole lot, and DeAndre Swift, which uh, I was surprised that he was a top 25 back. 147 total touches. Uh, you know, did miss a couple of games with injury. But <laughs> do we have to lower that number now? Are we talking about, are we looking at guys, you know, is it 150, is it 125 touches? Is there is there a, a new threshold for what we want out of a running back in terms of how they're used? Or is it just, you know, are we just going to be doomed to sort of pick and choose and sort of shuffle through on a week-to-week basis? I, I think the latter. I, I think
5: 200 is a good number, whereas five years ago, if you told me, like, 200 touches people would be like no like that's what you need 250 (laughs) and in five years before that it was 300 touches you know so it just shows us how much the position has changed but the two outliers McKinnon and Swift they they both have in common that they scored a bunch of touchdowns and they had a lot of catches like Mm -hmm. I I think that is the only margin for error that you have if you're not going to get at least 200 touches you need to be highly efficient with touchdowns which are very unpredictable not only over the course of a full season, but just week to week, and, and then you need to be involved in the passing game because if you don't do that, you're you're basically useless for fantasy if you're just going to get under two hundred carries. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be confusing week to week because even like remember last season with with Swift and Jamal Williams, there was it was frustrating. Like yeah. there were weeks where. We were saying, all right, you can't use Swift anymore. They're giving him six touches, and then he came out and got 18, and he got the goal on work, and then Jamal Williams would give you, like, six points. Like, backfields like that are going – you're going to have running backs that you can use, but they're just going to be very frustrating week to week. So that's why, again, I, I think the early rounds next season, you should be planning to take receivers. Uh, you Whether you want to take an early round tight end, that's up to you and, and – all of your decision making But <laughs> I also think quarterbacks next season Like I'm already planning on thinking I need one of the top eight quarterbacks Which means I'm probably going to have to take them In the first six rounds So what position am I going to push down the draft board a little bit For me it's likely going to
4: be running back So that begs the next question uh, In honor of the Mandalorian season three premiering today It's today um, right it's, oh. today, it's today Zero RB This is the way <laughs> Is this our new way of life now? I think
5: so. I I think the most I would go is modified zero or like hero RB, which is like you take one running back early on. Like uh, if say I'm sitting there in like the fourth or fifth pick and I could get like an Austin Eckler or CMC, I will strongly consider that because then I only need to find one running back the rest of the way. But I'm fine loading up on receivers early and just saying there's going to be guys who hit. In the the middle to late rounds and then even more so off waivers. I
4: think, I mean, I just think it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be like a, hey, this is like an outside the box strategy or I'm trying to zig where everybody's zagging. I think that's just going to be the way we start drafting, at least for the foreseeable future with so many teams using multiple running backs. I mean, I, I honestly think the fact that the 49ers brought in Christian McCaffrey and didn't just suddenly give him ninety five percent of the snaps. That you saw other guys still working in, still getting touches. If if Christian McCaffrey is no longer just a true dominating the backfield workhorse, that means we don't have many left. I mean, we really are looking at you know the Derrick Henrys, maybe the Saquons, maybe the Austin Ecklers, depending on what the Chargers want to do there just aren't many of those guys left. And so it's going to be harder to justify spending a top three to five pick on one of those running backs when you've got Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup or, you know, even a Devontae Adams or, you know, Stephon Diggs sitting up in one of those top spots there. Zero RB or modified zero RB might just become the way of things now. Like like looking at the top running
5: backs from last season, Eckler and CMC, they're, they're – Josh Jacobs could be on a new team. Yeah, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. But he's even getting up there in age where I think there's some concern. Saquon Barkley could be on a new team. Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb. Ramondre <laughs> right. Stevenson. Tony Pollard could be on a new team. Aaron Jones could have a completely different team around him. Mixon and Dalvin Cook were two running backs. We're still saying maybe could get moved. Leonard Fournette's going to be on a new team. Jamal Williams could be on a new team. Najee's Najee. And then you have Miles Sanders who could be on a new team. And then there's Alvin Kamara, who's dealing with off-the-field stuff. Like, all of the top running backs are—they bring some level of concern. Unless you want to put, like, Kenneth Walker up in towards the top. Like, that I'm okay with. But am I going to take him over one of the top
4: receivers? Probably not. No, you're not taking him over. You're not taking him in the first round. You're taking him probably second or third round. Um, yeah, it's just—it it is a it is a murky time for fantasy running backs right now. And we'll get maybe a little bit of clarity in a couple of weeks when— Guys start moving, start changing teams, and and we kind of get a better idea of that. We'll get more idea, obviously, after the draft. Once teams have drafted and signed running backs, and we kind of get a better picture of backfields. But I I dare say that the way we drafted running backs the last few years is going to be very different than the way we're drafting running backs in the next few years to come. Time for another edition of Florio's Film Festival. Last week, we started it off with Terminator 2. This week, we stay with another LA-based action movie, Speed, released June 10th, 1994 on a budget of $30 million, which seems paltry compared to T2's $105 million, or whatever it was, grossed $350 million worldwide. If you haven't seen the movie, it's simple. There's a bomb on a bus. <laughs> if the bus goes below 50 miles an hour, the bus explodes. So it's up to Keanu Reeves to keep the bus from blowing up. He, with the help of Sandra Bullock and a whole bunch of other quick-thinking passengers on this L.A. bus. Some fun facts about it. Sandra Bullock learned to drive a bus for the movie to make it look realistic. I felt like she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, It came out one week before O.J. Simpson's (laughs) low-speed freeway chase, which is maybe the most amazing piece of trivia ever. Because you have a you know a movie where a bus is sort of being chased through the L.A. freeways. And then O.J., who I think was going significantly less than 50 miles an hour, uh, gets chased by cops on the freeway a week later. And in the original script, the bus was supposed to circle Dodger Stadium, but the studio couldn't get rights to film there. Which, having seen it now, I feel like... It would be a much more boring movie if they're just driving in circles at Dodger Stadium.
5: Yeah, I, I was gonna. I don't think that would have worked as well as
4: uh, going to LAX. No. Um. So your your first your thoughts your takeaways having been introduced now to Speed. Speed was awesome. Like I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Like uh,
5: I, I would easily watch it again. And I I, I loved the that I I didn't know really anything about it. I mm-hmm. knew there was a bomb on the bus and Keanu Reeves was in it. And that was it. <laughs> then I saw I was like, wait, that's Sandra Bullock. And yeah. that's a young Jeff Daniels. And yeah. like I really like the cast. Um it was it was really entertaining. And what I like is that like there's multiple times where you think they've won and they, they beat the bomber. <laughs> and then nope. He just like he he's relentless. He keeps coming back um until you know for sure that he can't come back anymore. <laughs> uh, which was also awesome. Like
4: I, I, I just I really enjoyed this movie. Speed was, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I know I've said this before. Speed is the movie, when they ask, what's the movie you've seen the most times in theaters? It's Speed for me. I saw it seven times in the theater. Let me clarify. It's not because <laughs> I think it's some, ep- it's, it's a great movie. I enjoy it. I don't think it's some sort of classic cinema. I'm not putting it up there with like The Godfather. It was just, it came out the year I graduated from high school and I had a lot of free time during the summer and inevitably a friend would say, hey, I want to go see Speed. Do you want to come with me? And I'd be like, Okay. So that's how I ended up seeing it seven, seven <laughs> times in theaters. Um, any, any unanswered questions? Anything about it that you were like, wait a minute, that didn't make sense? No. Um, the only thing yeah. I was wondering, and I don't think they address
5: in the movie, so when, when the bus goes into the plane. Okay. Okay. Is the plane full of people? That's what I wondered too. I Rewatching it,
4: the, you know, the guy towing the the plane jumps out and runs away later. But my thought was, did they just kill a whole lot of people on this plane? Because I well, obviously you're rooting for them to get off the bus <laughs> and to get saved. But I was like, I, I don't know if a
5: two for you know like a <laughs> right. hundred people is a fair trade. So that that was a little concerning. Um, I Keanu Reeves Ooh. as awesome as his character is, I was like, dude take a second to think about what you're doing
4: sometimes. <laughs> right. Cause like he had, n- he was just reckless. I felt like his whole, his whole mode of operations was, you know what? We're just going to go more extreme on things, <laughs> right? I mean, the, obviously the famous part with him jumping over the, you know, the gap in the freeway, his whole thing was, let's just speed up the bus and we can make the jump. Then at the end, when they're trapped on a a subway train and they can't get out, uh, his response is, Let's speed it up. I'm like, you can't just do this for everything. This can't be your answer for everything. Just speed it up. When when he goes on that, I don't even know what to call it, that like thing that
5: goes under the bus. Mm-hmm. Everyone on the bus is like, this is, a, this is a dumb idea. This is a terrible idea. And he's just like, I got it. <laughs> and I, like, they saved him, which is awesome. But I was like,
4: he, he was really trying not to get saved that day of my, like- my only other big question with this movie, um, and I, I rewatched it. I hadn't watched it in years, so I, I watched it again from start to finish. At the end, after they get off the bus and they're going to catch Dennis Hopper's character, the, the bomber... Why do they just leave Sandra Bullock standing on the street by herself yeah. to get kidnapped? I was wondering that as well. I was like, <laughs> like and and why did she
5: willingly? I just, get it. He was dressed as a cop and he was a cop previously, so I'm sure he sounds like one. But I was like, after everything I've been through, I'd be like, I'm not I, leaving this spot.
4: Or I want to go home. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, can I go home now? I don't really need to be a part of your sting operation to catch the bomber guy. Uh, I'm going home. If you have any questions for me, here's my phone number. Give me a call. By the way, there were actual phone booths in that movie. Oh, yeah. At the very beginning of the movie, they blow up a, they blow up a different bus and uh, Dennis Hopper calls Keanu Reeves on a payphone. <laughs> and, and as somebody who lived through the payphone era, that still, still kind of caught me off guard that he actually went to a payphone. The, the one thing I did not see
5: coming at all was his house... Blowing up.
4: Blowing up. Yeah, poor uh, poor Jeff Daniels. Uh, Again, this movie's 30 years old, so I'm not going to say spoiler alert here. Um, (laughs) Poor Jeff Daniels catches it in the worst way by going to someone's house and having a blow up while he was inside. Uh, You know they made a Speed 2, right? You're aware of this? Did they? Yes. It is uh, Sandra Bullock and Jason Patrick. They couldn't get Keanu Reeves for Speed 2. Because like the Matrix? Sort of. Uh, So in Speed 2, they're on a cruise ship. It's on a giant boat. I feel like that doesn't hold up. I will tell you that I've never seen it because it looked awful. Um, <laughs> it, it got a four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So that tells Which, you that's pretty much everything you speed need. Speed one
5: got like a like eighty-six percent or something like yeah. that. Like I saw that score and I was like, Oh, this must be a really good like even before I watched it, I was yeah. like, this must be really good. But if in the speed world, if I'm Sandra Bullock, after that cruise ride, I'm never going on another form of I'm transportation. I'm never going on transportation ever again. again.
4: Ever. You know what? Maybe <laughs> I just I just take a bike everywhere or something. I don't know. But I'm not taking buses. I'm not taking boats. Uh, planes are already sort of sort of <laughs> sketchy uh, for that sort of thing anyway. So yeah. All right. So your overall verdict, thumbs up, I, I assume. Yeah,
5: very much so. Thumbs up. I would watch it again, and I I don't want to compare movies, but mm-hmm. I actually I thought speed holds up to modern times even better than terminator because yeah. terminator is all about future technology and stuff like this i was like i imagine if there was a bomb on a bus today it would it would go very similar <laughs> to how it went in speed you know like we it's even though it's been 30 years i don't think our strategy with that or anything would change the difference is people on the bus would be
4: live streaming the whole thing that's very true <laughs> yeah, it, <you laughs> the dude wouldn't even need all those TVs he'd no. just need a couple of phones and that's the other thing by the way that sort of threw me off he doesn't know the bus blew up. Like he's watching a million different TVs. Like I know he has the feed inside the bus, but he's also watching the news. Like I would think there was a giant explosion at LAX. Somebody would be kind of on like, top of that. I thought the so like I understand that the cops tell the news
5: like, hey, you need to put this on loop. Like film whatever you want and then loop it. But I was like, he he wouldn't. They had one minute of of film, <laughs> and they had enough time to not only get everyone off, but for it to explode and then them go drop the money off. I was like. He doesn't realize that no
4: one on that bus has moved <laughs> in like <laughs> in like 20 minutes. yeah, uh, that was that was a little bit uh, weird, but you know the whole, in the end, like you're so caught up in the whole emotion of it, you don't even matter.'t does even matter. The other thing I thought was uh, instead of
5: going for a fight that he would clearly lose like against Jack on top of a subway, why? He he, his whole thing was like bombs are built to explode. As much as I wanted Sandra Bullock and Jack
4: to to live, he probably would have just blew just up everybody subway. up. And, yeah. <laughs> and just been done with it. Yeah, I thought that too. Like that was a really poor decision by you to climb on top of the train and try to fight <laughs> and, a and man who's like twenty years younger than and you. No
5: <laughs> point is ever going on top of the subway there. And also, like
4: he's shooting holes in the roof and stuff, and Keanu Reeves is just sliding. rolling back and forth. I was like, he would have just easily rolled off of that train. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? Jack Traven is that dude, uh, and he ends up saving the day when it's all said and done. So uh, there we go. Thumbs up on speed. Uh, it was great to watch it again for me, too. Having not seen it in a while, I kind of get caught up in the whole like excitement of the movie once ne- again.
5: Next week, um, I've heard... Can I say what next week is? So,
4: yes, please do say what next week is. It's Face Off from from 1997, which stars Nicolas Cage, right? Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Now, I had had Face Off on the original list, and I was going to wait till later, but Ryan Dennis mentioned that he started on our recommendation, started watching it last week, and he said after 15 minutes, he turned it off because (laughs) it was incredibly (laughs) ridiculous, to which me and our fellow producer, Hytham Kalani, said, the ridiculousness is part of the joy of it, so you have to kind of get through that, so that made me want to move it up the list so we're gonna watch face off which i haven't meant for all of these movies to be based in los angeles but it just has sort of worked oh, it's out another, this LA is another movie that's based in la <laughs> so it's not the plan it just has sort of worked out that I, way. i love it because i was watching last time i was like oh i know where this is yeah. and, but I, I will say
5: i've heard nothing but good things about terminator 2 coming into my watching mm-hmm. experience same thing with speed like when i told my friends i was watching they were like oh man you're in for a treat like you're gonna really enjoy it face off is i'm getting the exact opposite reaction from a lot of people they're like "Ooh." That movie's
4: uh, it's it's a little out there and stuff it's like that. It's Very out there, and it is incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I'm glad. No, I'm glad though. But I'm glad you're getting not so great reviews because now I want to get to something that, like, you know, maybe there's a little controversy here <laughs> about you know the goodness of Face Off. I'm just telling you to buckle up because it is it is bananas <laughs> from only, start to finish. The only thing I know is that they wear each other's faces.
5: I like, mean, that's the only thing
4: I know. About I'm the just movie. upset. I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm upset that Ryan didn't make it to the classic line of Nicolas Cage saying I'm going to take his face off. <laughs> like that. That is worth the price of admission on its own. So we are going to watch Face Off next week. We will come back, we'll talk about it on this show. I am excited because I
5: know Nick Cage is like late 2000s Nick Cage more mm-hmm. than so I want to see his
4: real like Oh yeah, cuz this is Nick Cage. I don't know if this is his like most bonkers peak But it's up there. It is, when you talk about just over-the-top Nick Cage performances. (laughs) Is this the movie with the bees? uh, This is not the bees. That would be The Wicker Man, which that's a whole different category. (laughs) But, yeah, The Wicker Man is is worth watching as well. I've just seen that clip so many. I've never even seen the movie. Not the bees. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We could almost do a whole Nick Cage film festival just all by himself because it is, that man is a treasure. He's an American treasure, (laughs) and he needs to be protected at all costs. All right. That seems like a good place to kind of put this one to rest. We'll be back next week. We'll talk some uh, pass catchers when it comes to free agency. We'll probably recap the combine a little bit as well. And we will be talking face offs. We appreciate you hanging out with us as always. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the week, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week.
2: Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.
0: You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them.
2: You can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. (laughs) Rent what you
1: need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.